taking the time to recognize the important things that really give us that sense of joy and fulfillment, coming back to fulfillment for gratefulness, because by doing that, your whole mindset shifts when you start the work. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast, where host Barry O'Reilly seeks to synthesize the superpowers of extraordinary individuals to think big, start small, and learn fast. Here's your host, Barry O'Reilly. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast. On this show, I'm delighted to be joined by Gisela Martinez, Executive Director for Clinical Research at Merck. For more than 130 years, Merck have brought important medicines and vaccines to the world through their research-intensive biopharmaceutical research. Yet, how I met Gisela was a different type of breakthrough. She's a senior female leader at Merck with a fascinating and non-traditional approach to career development. She's worked at Merck for more than 20 years and done it all. Everything was outside her comfort zone, yet piqued her curiosity she went for. She backed herself and grew into her leadership style along the way. Her story is fascinating and inspiring. A proud mom, inclusive, passionate, and people-oriented leader. If you're looking for someone to kickstart your personal growth plan for this year, this lady is the one to listen to. So before we dive in, let's hear how it got started for her. The moment when I realized my diversity, that there was so much power in my diversity. Because for so long, I had thought being different had created roadblocks for me in terms of opportunity. Because I was so different necessarily to the norm, or when you walk in a meeting room and it's a boys club, let's say, you know, everyone's in sort of dressed the same and I look very different. My name is not Anglo-Saxon, yet my accent is very Australian. You know, I thought that being different actually was a hindrance to me being successful because I didn't always feel like I fitted in to that team or that meeting or that forum or that project. And also in my mindset, I approach things in a very positive manner that I always see solutions. I always see possibility. And I felt nobody was really there with me. It took a long time for people to get to a place where they could see a solution or they could see that possibility. And so I struggled. Why didn't people understand me? Why didn't people get what I'm trying to say or why I'm trying to say it? So I felt that I sort of withdrew a little bit because I thought that being different, whether it was that physical or the the presence or the cultural aspect, but also my mindset, my approach to things, that that was a roadblock. And that pivotal turning point was when I realized that actually that difference that I have, that was the power that I had to actually influence and change things. And I realized that different perspective, that alternate way of thinking or that alternate way of being or bringing my culture through whatever that was, actually was the strength that I needed to give me that confidence to become who I needed to be, to become who I really am. Because I was kind of like suppressing myself, I think, by trying to fit in. And that was working against me. And when I realized, actually, you know what? I just need to be myself, to be honest. I just need to be who I am because that's my strength. And that's who I really am, my authentic being. Yeah, no, absolutely. A huge amount of that resonates. You know, I often tell a story on the show when I remember I was part of a leadership development program in the last company I worked with called ThoughtWorks. And I'm sure you participate in these types of things. One of the things they were teaching us was like public speaking or speaking, like in general to audiences, whatever that might be. 
yeah. I always had this notion in my head of, oh, like to be a speaker, you have to like sound really eloquent and you need to say serious things because that's what people listen to. And I still remember sort of like, you know, I had to, we had to practice sort of this three minute talk or whatever it was. And I got up there and had this sort of refined, polished, sounded like I was a, a newsreader for a television or journalist or something. And one of my good friends was sort of in the group as well. His name's Stan Newman. And, you know, after I came off and did my talk, he was like, who the hell was that up there? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't like that person up there. Yeah, That's not you. I like you. You know, you should just be yourself. And, you know, it was one of these sort of eureka moments for me where I was just like, God, it took so much energy to create the three minutes. And I was exhausted at the end of it. But the confidence bit for the breakthrough for me was actually saying, you know what, it's okay just to be me. And that's all right. That's good enough. That's actually what some people like about me is just being myself. And it doesn't take energy. It actually gives energy in a different sort of context to what you've been describing. A lot of that resonates, if you will, about trying to find the authenticity or that it's okay to be yourself. And the easiest way to lead is actually by being yourself rather than sometimes trying to be somebody that you think other people want you to be or are asking you to be. And that's tiring. Yeah. And the greatest impact one can have is by being true to oneself. Because just what you said, sometimes, you know, there are people in a boardroom or in a meeting room and everybody's sort of jumping in, giving opinions, often repeating the same thing, just a different way. Always, always. Yeah. And I learned that I actually took time to sort of observe and understand. So when I spoke, and I only learned this afterwards, but when I spoke, people listened more than to the people that actually spoke a lot because they knew what I had to say had value. But it took me, as I said, a long time to realize that and to be comfortable that I didn't have to talk all the time. or I didn't have to have the fanciest words or be able to phrase it and just speak the way I need to get the message across because that's what mattered more than anything. It was a turning point and I realized that actually when I put my hand up, sometimes I would physically have to raise my hand to get a space in the conversation. When I did that, people actually said, Gisela needs to talk. So I commanded an an audience, which was very powerful in itself in my own way without having to talk. Yeah, you reminded me of this too as well. The more people talk, the more suspicious I tend to become of them in some respects. It's kind of funny. I often think as well that, yeah, like, as you say, it's folks have time to process, have measuredness and then and can get their message across. It can be really profound. These are like great sort of unlearning moments for you, if you will, on your journey from how you're showing up, how you're feeling comfortable, authentic, figuring out who you are and how you want to share your message. And Diana Steffner was on our show as well, and she did a great show about finding your voice, and which I love always reminding people of too as well. But for you, as you then started to like move up through the company, because you've done a lot of different roles through Merck, which I always find fascinating. You know, I think people sometimes go down the path where they change company every two years to do a different role, but you've really a great story, I, I believe, like of working your way through company, but finding new opportunities and different challenges within that context. So tell us a little bit about what have been some of your interesting unlearning moments as you've sort of worked your way through 
those experiences and how they've helped you again, like do what you're doing today? Yep. The biggest thing that I had to unlearn was success wasn't just about being promoted to higher levels of authority or accountability. And it's very much a common understanding, acceptance, I guess, especially in the corporate world, that unless you're high up in the company, therefore you're important. And what I learned is that success is about diversity in experience and understanding the business that one is in. So for me, in in my space is clinical research. So the stronger I could be as a leader, it was important that I diversified my knowledge and skills. And instead of just looking upwards, up the, the chain, if you like, I looked sideways and I looked behind me and I looked in front of me and I always came back to where can I add value and where can the learning bring value to me? So I did do a lot of lateral moves. What's interesting when I reflect on my career of what is now 22 years, I've only actually been promoted four times in that whole cycle. (laughs) And that's unusual because people today, I find, think every three to five years, I guess, one needs to be promoted because they've mastered their core job. Therefore, they're ready for the next senior position. Whereas for me, I took a very different pathway and I did a lot of sideway sort of cross-dimensional moves in the organization. So I can say I understand the business of what we do, not just the tactical side of being a subject matter expert. You're sort of making me smile a little bit because at the (laughs) moment we're building a venture studio called Nobody Studios and we're very lucky. We have amazing people all over the world who want to come and help us build these early stage companies. But literally some of the people arrive on day one and you know they write one document or draw one diagram and then they're like, I'm the senior person now. And now actually, actually, I should be running this whole company. I don't know what you're doing. It brings a smile to my face as you're describing these things as well, right? And also like the conditioning in so many companies is about this pursuit of the ladder. You must sort of go on the next thing. But actually building this sort of wealth of experience and understanding of a business makes you absolutely invaluable to have these cross-functional perspectives, empathy for people doing different roles. Like, truly understanding like what makes the business tick, I think is, it's admirable to sort of do these things. So what triggers you to do this? Is it your curiosity? Do you just sort of get bored after like a few while? Like, are you just want to find how things work? (laughs) I'm always curious to ask people like what keeps driving them down these paths? I've never had time to get bored, to be honest. So that doesn't even come into the picture. It's more that I very quickly understood my purpose and what gives me fulfillment. Because in any company, you can go up the ladder and so forth and get success. But really what what brings you that happiness, that core happiness to keep working hard, to keep doing what you need to do. And for me, that fulfillment came from bringing value into anything I did. And so where I felt I could make a difference, where I felt I could influence or change or evolve, you know, actually, Barry, it's where I could unlearn the organization and help them to relearn a different way. That's what I was striving for in everything I did. And I feel that because that was my purpose and that was at my core, it was showing through my work. And it wasn't hard work for me to do it because it was organic within me. So every position I have, I can honestly say I never put my hand or asked for a job or said, by five years, I have to get to that position. 
I just kept looking for the value add. I just kept looking for where can I have the impact and I gave it a go. And that's what opened up so many doors for me. I wasn't this individual because I do have people that I work with that are very much, I've got to be at a certain position by oh, a yeah, certain I think time. We all do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. They're part of the furniture in every company. I absolutely. think you're right. Yeah. And that doesn't drive me. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so refreshing to hear people like yourself share your story and inspire others. I think it's really important, again, like just being yourself, following your own intellectual curiosity, creating and exploring in a way that's meaningful to you, I think it's really, really important for a lot of folks, rather than if you sort of feel like you have to be on this sort of elevator. And if you're not moving at a certain cadence through the different steps, there's something wrong here. It's sort of like this idea of what are we in pursuit of? Is it just to get another step on the ladder or is it actually to do meaningful work that you enjoy, that you feel rewarded by and that you actually have a real effect on? And the other thing that I think is important, I always come from a place of gratitude. Everything I have, I know, could easily be taken away tomorrow in an instant. There is nobody in this world that a company would save, you know what I mean, over ultimate goals of the corporation or anything like that. Everybody is dispensable, as they say, the classic statement. So I always come from a place of gratitude that I am fortunate, number one, to be employed, especially in today's world. And two, that I can have these opportunities to experiment, to learn, to grow as a person. And I never forget that. And you deal with a lot of egos today, unfortunately. There are a lot of people that forget what gratitude is about and forget or misplace, I guess, being humble in the workplace. And I feel that that does make a big difference, right? Whether you're in a company a long term or whether you get opportunities come your way without asking for them. And I really do believe it matters to always come from a place of gratefulness and start your day remembering that what you do, it's upon you. It's upon the individual. It's upon me to actually make a difference. And it sounds kind of corny, I have to say. No, I I need to ask you now, like, do you work that into your day? Like, do you journal? What are some of the ways that you keep, like, your intent, if you will, like, top of mind for yourself? These are great. I always think they're great habits to have. I often find when I'm really stressed, for some reason, I start journaling. And then I'm doing it and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good for me. And then as soon as I sort of get over the hump, I sort of fall back into the bad habit of like, stop journaling. And I'm like, that really (laughs) helps me. I I need to keep it up. So I'm just curious for yourself, like what are some of your small hacks or practices maybe that you try to implement? The first one that's really simple and not time consuming at the end of every day, like I sit down with my daughter and I say, what are you grateful for today? What was something that you really appreciated? And just by hearing her, then she asks me the question. So now I'm accountable to her to reflect on my day and think of something to be grateful about. And then also in the morning, like just driving to work, I think about what am I grateful for today? It could be as simple as just waking up, right? Because in the field that I'm in, in clinical research, a lot of unwell people, unhealthy people, and sometimes every day could mean their last. So I think about what am I grateful for and why? most importantly. And another thing I do with my leadership team, before I start any discussion about the work stuff or the metrics or the performance or this or that, 
I go around the room and say, let's celebrate something together. What are you celebrating today or this week? And we literally go around one by one and people just share their joy. It could be from, I'm about to go on a holiday and I'm excited by my holiday, you know, and for other people, it could be, I actually had a breakthrough conversation with a colleague, but it's about taking the time to recognize the important things that really give us that sense of joy and fulfillment, coming back to fulfillment for gratefulness, because by doing that, your whole mindset shifts when you start the work. They're the little things. I don't have time for journal, unfortunately. So I do have journal envy that you can do Yeah, that. that's all right. So do I. Believe me, it's one of those habits I love to tell people I'm doing when I'm doing it. And then I've stopped doing <laughs> it and I have to be, have to remind myself. Yeah. But it, it's even funny you mentioned like when it was a really great book, The No Work Rules. And it's actually written about the Netflix culture. And one of the things that they recognized even about their meetings were depending on where people, part of the globe that they were in, because I know you work across all Asia Pacific, I think, which is always interesting. Like it's such a diverse, like sort of set of countries and, and region. And I'm living here now in Manila and continuing to learn it as I'm here. But it was one of the things that struck me when I read that book is that, you know, when people are in North America, they tend to just like jump into meetings and pull up the action list and power through it and get it done and onto the next meeting. And I've done 55 meetings in four hours. And, <laughs> and when they were working with a lot of their teams are based in South America and Brazil, particularly, you know, and there's a very different style of like every meeting. The first 10 minutes are literally like, what's going on? How are you doing? What's going on today? It's such a community based culture. It was really interesting. Like they were describing, like making the teams aware of just the cultural cues, even of what seems normal to one can actually be discombobulating for another. So when a bunch of North Americans jump in and just want to jump into the action lot, the South Americans were like, uh, what are we doing here? Are we, how are you doing? It was really interesting about how they then started to design all their meetings to like make space for just like time to check in with people. I just thought it was a really fascinating way of just like looking at the world and recognizing that there's, it's not like one's better over the other, but it's finding good ways to connect with people is really, really important to do hard work. And you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter where we're from, our cultures, where we geographically live. Humans need connection and they need to be, know they're heard. They need to know that they're being seen. And just giving them that little window to share whatever it is they need to say, ultimately long-term builds that loyalty, that commitment to work, that commitment to succeed and everything like that. And I think we tend to forget that. We tend to forget that we're all here to do our best. We're all here with the right intent. Yes, we all have to work in life because we all need money to survive and there's all that behind it. But people really do get together with good intentions. And I think sometimes we forget that. And I know across Asia Pacific, especially with the cultures, the cultures are so different across the Asia Pacific region. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. And coming together, I was just in Bangkok a couple of weeks ago now, and we had the country heads of each country in Asia Pacific, you know, from Japan to Thailand, to Australia, to Taiwan, Korea, you know, we were all there in one room and just seeing how we interact with each other and how we build the connections, but also how we're mindful of cultural differences and show respect to one another. And I thought, wow, this is so magical that we are able to do that, but we're able to do it because we all come from that place of we get each other, that we're still human beings at the end of the day that are here to do the best. And 
we're not here to judge one another. None of us are in a position that we can judge each other, to be quite frank. And I love hearing these stories again. It's one of these things that I'm, I feel very lucky now. Like I, I lived in the US for the last six years. I was in London before that, which was always felt like a melting pot. But now being in Asia and living in Asia for like an extended period of time for me is, and it's been fascinating to sort of put myself outside my comfort zone and to like understand the difference between someone from Taiwan versus someone from Japan versus someone from Indonesia and even different parts of those countries. It's been a good reminder for me, if you will, to just be open and take time to understand, like seek to understand before, um, you know, making calls. Yeah. And know that we're all experiencing the same struggles in life. We all have financial pressures. We all have probably relationship, family pressures, all that sort of stuff that just in a different language. It's just, we all have our needs, our demands, but we can all learn from each other. So looking forward then for you, what are some of the things that sort of are on the roadmap or you're excited about for your sort of next iteration of yourself, if you will, are areas that you're actively trying to explore or identified? You mentioned after the Singularity talk, you were kind enough to actually go and buy the Unlearn book and read it. Normally, no, nobody ever does that. Well, maybe one or oh, two. Right. So I'm grateful when you do. But for you, as you were sort of thumbing your way through that and reflecting and looking ahead, what were some of the things that are top of mind for you now as we sort of go into 2023? I realized that coming back to what I mentioned about understanding my purpose, what really fulfilled me, I realized that I have been very lucky over the years, you know, in my career that it's time for me to pay it forward. It's time for me to share and teach and empower, hopefully inspire other people. Part of that is I'm part, I lead a women's network in Asia Pacific and it's a lot of work, but it's time for me to help elevate other people around me because I really want to make sure everyone feels like they are seen and that they're heard and they feel worthy. Whatever that means for them, it can be just being happy in your current job versus somebody who just wants to jump and climb the ladder, as you say. But yeah. for me, the next steps are about paying it forward. So I'm really on a, a mission to do things like this, the podcast. I, I spoke at my old high school a few months oh, back nice. yeah. to share with people how you can come from what may seem like nothing or something so small in, in your family at school to something as you know great the position that I'm in to also then looking at women across Asia Pacific and helping them to find their voices. The challenges we have in Australia are different to a woman in India, for example, where they're just trying to struggle to have equity across gender and things like that. And then also I've stepped up now, next year I'm going to be mentoring people across the world. So people that have started their careers and helping them to understand how to navigate the company, but then also how they can find their strength and their value add. So for me, it's really that. It just sounds so simple, but it's so important. I don't think enough of us are paying it forward and sharing and learning from one another and listening to each other. That's what I want to do next. And reading your book, Unlearn to Relearn, and teaching everything that I had to unlearn and relearn and sharing that with people is making a difference for them. You know, it's kind of like I'm accelerating Absolutely. their learning <laughs> rather than having to figure it out on their own. That's it. I often say I, I like people to make better mistakes than the ones I did. So if I can share yeah. mine, <laughs> hopefully they make better ones on top of that. And it's phenomenal to hear what you're doing. 
I'll make sure we put your contact in the show notes so people, I'm worried now you're going to be inundated with like thousands <laughs> of people trying to get you to come and do mentoring sessions. I hope you can find a way to do that. I'm sure that'd be a fun problem That's to have. That's fun, right? That's the fun part is. of life. Yeah. Yeah, but it's been absolutely phenomenal to spend time with you and just hear your story, your outlook. It's so refreshing just to hear your own story, how you're still approaching it and how you continue to like pay it forward and give it back. I think there's a lot to be said about doing that. I often, as you're describing too, feel like I often learn the most when I'm explaining to people stories for myself as much as anything to realize I should be journaling more. Even today, I've reminded myself about it. So I thank you for the gift of reminding me that I need to focus on that too as well. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing your stories with us. I really appreciate this time. And I hope that whoever's listening in the audience, that they get something out of it. That's all, all my, I hope for is that just one person, one, one simple message that they can take and adopt in their world and make it a little bit better for themselves. I really do hope that. And I'm, I'm here. I'm here to, to share what I do know. But I'm also here to listen, most importantly. Well, I'm sure people are going to enjoy listening to the show and being in touch with you too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Barry, for the opportunity.